It's time for Cofield and Company. Look, I respect every player's right to try to do what's best for them. That's why, you know, the league is what it is in terms of value and uh, contracts. And, you know, those things are, are personal. Josh is a grown man. You know, he's got to make the best decision for him and his family. No matter what, Josh is like a brother to me. We came in together. We've had a bunch of different coaches together. Josh is a grown man. He knows what's best for him. So I'm going to support him in any way I can. From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go. Cofield and company, a lot going on. Here's some of the Raiders sound bites there. We'll get into the Raiders and Jimmy G and Josh Jacobs and Max Crosby speaking there. Some Josh. I'm just going to go with Josh this year. Even though there's two Joshes, Josh Jacobs and Josh McDaniel. I'm going to go Jacobs and then Josh. J-Mac. No. I wish I knew him better. Um, what was that show? Transparent. Remember that show, Transparent? You ever watch that? No. On Amazon? No. Um Jeffrey Tambor's in it. He was the star until he got booted off or something. Um, but there's a character, and the one son is named Joshy. I was like the name Joshy. Which there's one? an affinity for a Josh when you call him Joshy. Which one do you want to call Joshy? Uh, Coach. What about Jacobs? He's just Jacobs. JJ. No, I like Jacobs. J-Mac and JJ, I think, is the way to go. Do they actually have nicknames? No. <laughs> I think it's not, it's not like, I've uh, heard JJ. It's not like Butchie, Barbie, and Marshy. It's not like the Golden Knights. Everyone no. has a nickname. No, but I'm trying to start it. So, J-Mac and JJ. I'm telling you, I don't like it. How do you not like that if you like the terrible hockey nicknames? I just don't like your choices. Right. Plain and simple. Obvious ones. Uh, a couple of issues coming into the show. One, that was a rousing victory on the arena. I, uh, I invite everyone from Lotus Broadcasting. Um, really, salespeople, I think, go in and do pretty well against Greg Salerno. Um, you know, his problem on the show, and I, I, I even told him sorry afterwards. I kind of critiqued the topic selection because he does all of it. I don't know why he does. He's doing, like, hardcore sports topics. Like, bro, you're going up against sports people. Just load the whole show up with stuff that you like. Like, Doug had a – Doug Marsh at the end had a had a, a, a wild card topic, and he was like, best metal band in history. I'm like, you're going to win that. Yeah. If, if we're doing ten topics, make eight stuff that we may not know about. Now, you know, I'm very versatile and very hip, so it's I can blend uh, in with anything. But, no, I, I kind of made the uh, I made the best metal band in history kind of a joke, but I made a good case for them. I said Skid Row and Sebastian Bach, uh, but I, I know they're not the best. I but I also even, was not going to sit there and genuflect to Metallica. Like, I, wouldn't even, I don't even think I would skip Skid Row's metal. Like, I don't think I'd be able to name a metal band. Right. So that I, I don't know why I didn't do that the and whole time. I'm sure I could name some bands, but I wouldn't know anything about them. I would just say, like... I guess uh, Metallica wins. Are yeah. they metal? Yeah. Okay. Like well, Metallica I would wins. I would hope they'd be metal if they're Metallica. Well, I don't know, because then Imagine you get into subgenres and people are like, no, it's not that. Like, okay. I mean, I would have made a case for some of the soft rock bands that I've seen recently, the old ones, but because I was actually surprised how prevalent the uh, instruments are with some soft rock bands like sure. Air Supply. But I think that's uh, they also they had a they had a really good lead guitar player out of L.A. Air Supply, believe it or not. Really. And like solo beyond, like on top of solo because they're old. They're like, we can't sing like we used to. Sure. Here you go, seven minutes while I go take a break and have some tea. Yeah. I, I mean, could have made that case, but I didn't. I went with Sebastian Bach because I had seen him recently. Well, the, pro- the problem with the with that is we know that FM people think they can actually do radio, and you know they can't. Ooh. Uh, By the way, good topic, and now we're putting this in the grab bag. Can you add it? <laughs> uh, Stu Gotts lobbed a bomb today. 
Okay. Uh, and that show has become, it's a little bit weird. We're having a debate about what they're doing. Everything's a bit now. And they want to be taken seriously sometimes, which I think is also a bit. But um, he had talked about the satisfaction of, uh, in the past, watching what he called real journalists, so I'll say writers, look down their nose at Sports Talk Radio. And he said he's getting a certain satisfaction out of what's happening now. Oh, what a jerk. Uh, but we'll, we'll please. That's a three-hour tease. we got to get oh, that in. Why is Jeremy Piven doing Fox Sports 2, by the way? Uh, it's not really him. Um, she had so, a rhythm there. I'm sorry. I broke no, it, it's fine. No, I think FM people, they think they can. We know. One well, of them, I think, we got one of them to basically quit. I think DJs are, <laughs> many are very talented, um, but open talk is a different game. I mean, they do a lot of stuff a lot better than we do. Yeah. And by the way, I don't, I don't if, mean if they like, actually If they actually do bits and then stuff in public and remotes, there's you do have to be talented to be good local DJ, but open talk for 43 minutes or whatever we're on for is a different animal. Yeah, and I'm not talking about, like, talk FM. Like, I just mean, like, people that throw some music. Right. We know another one over there that just, like I said, melted down and quit because he couldn't argue with it. Well, you think Gooch is a moron. Well, yeah, I've known him since. Actually, Gooch. I know that he is. I've known him since ninth grade. Gooch, by the way, is the (laughs) boss at Comp now. Uh, Gooch, I think on our late night podcast, well, one, had problems with he was bombastic and then got countered with facts and he had trouble with that but i think he also got spooked and quit the podcast because we were going into deep waters like we will push the line on air but we were pushing the line even more on controversial topics and he was like i'm gonna get fired like you're a rock and roll like rowdy (laughs) edgy fm dj what do you mean you're gonna get fired for something you say on our stupid podcast well because he can't handle like i can make him just scream and melt down and Start wow. screaming things. You have an advantage there because sure. you're incredibly annoying sure. and you needle people and your goal is to make them break. But you guys also go back like almost 30 years. Yeah, notice from ninth grade. Exactly. Uh, we're roommates for like seven years. <laughs> I know that's, mean, a, that's a I know special level of knowing sure. freaking every sure. edge you have. Uh, absolutely. But every weakness your, he has. On your point of topic selection, since it is Wednesday, Steve, uh, trivia night, uh, they got us. They got us. What does that mean? So we obviously dominate every week that we crush it Uh, for anyone listening adam has a traveling band of uh, misfits that go and play trivia every wednesday tonight creek brewery go ahead and they and they load up and now he's starting to put out the the public challenge to come down and try to take them on well they got us though so the the music round we destroy we dominate it Mm -hmm. but interesting we have never ever gotten a country song correct title artist or fill in the lyrics so it's it's like five or six points Depending on how many lyrics there are. You don't are. have anyone in your group that... Not... Literally, they... Pl- like, they, can't even make an intelligent guess? One week, they played, like, Garth Brooks. Yeah. We were just looking at each other like... Ah, yeah. I don't know. Good. So, last week, because we had won, like, four of the last five, three of the five songs were country songs. Good. Well, you talk a lot of trash. I'm, yeah. sure, the, I'm sure the word is out. They like, got let's, us. Let's start loading up the topics they got stuff us. these people don't know about. So, we're going to have to kick somebody off the team and find a country music <laughs> expert. Uh, look, if, you're, if you have to beat us with country music... Okay, who is mission I mean, accomplished? Let's just get this on the on the table here. Um, who would be? Who doesn't hold their weight on the team? Who doesn't carry their weight on the team? I'm going to be safe here. This is another say, way to break up a team, by the way. Yeah, I'm, be to get safe some here. I'm going to be safe here and say me. You think you're the weakest link? Yep, I'm going to say that publicly. <laughs> I'm going to text Dre on the side and be like, "You won't believe what Adam said, though." He's doing something. He's not going to listen to it. He's doing something. So you think I'm actually going to say who the? I know who the weakest link is, but I'm. You think I'm going to say that? No, it's me. No, you're smart. Yeah. He said it was Leandre. That's crazy. I did not. He said it's me. Who's Leandre? Uh, he's a wonderful producer uh, over at uh, the RJ. 
Also threw down a couple dunks on the slam ball court. It was impressive. And you won't go on those trampolines. I right? went. Oh, you did? Yeah, it's terrifying. How scary was it? Terrifying. Yeah. Oh, to to he also, by the way, uh, played you know pretty pretty good football and worked at a trampoline park. Oh. Uh, and he's fearless. No, his first time out there, he goes, "Whoa!" Oh, even he was that hits different. Really? <laughs> yeah, he's like, "That's different." I'm like, "Yeah, I know. It's wild. That's a cool sport. It's very cool. It's a fun game." Uh, so I um, I give our, our complaints on Monday. Way too many whistles. Nobody has any idea what the rules are. That's a mess. Okay. They have to fix that. Of course. They have to. Of course you would have an issue with the they rules and to. the officiating. But that was that was a pretty common thing all over social media. People are like, why did the, they, they blow the whistle and they just give somebody three points? Like, what is happening? Nobody has any idea what's happening. Leander is pretty don't. young, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So DeMond's on the younger side. Uh, we're glad to have DeMond on Cofield & Company because uh, he's going to help me out because I am 53 going on 77 sometimes. Um, a little earlier, I, I, I got on the station a little bit early today. I usually work from home. And I was like, you know, I'm going to grab something to eat real quick. And um, I was like, I like using the apps, right? Because as I get older, I'm more gun-shy driving up to the uh, drive-thru. I can't pick. People are, like, beeping behind me. I freak out. I have anxiety. Yes, anxiety over getting fatter. Um, I ordered from a restaurant, and then I realized that I ordered from the restaurant that's closest to my house. <laughs> don't, don't, don't shake your head like that. Uh, good try, Gramps. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> yes. Good effort. Did um, you cancel the order? I couldn't find how to cancel it. Okay. If I show up at 620 and plead my case, I, I will go inside and go, I, I ordered from the wrong restaurant. You charged me. Um, can I still get the food? What do you think? Not because it was – I don't think – maybe if you were like, oh, something – that happened to me at a Chipotle once where I was just like, I just couldn't leave work. And they were like, okay, we'll, we'll do it for you. But I don't think they're going to cut you any any slack off of hey wrong restaurant. Well then I'll I'll say an emergency came up at work I couldn't leave. All right, that's a better excuse than wrong restaurant. I think they get the wrong restaurant all the time. I don't think so. You, you don't pull, think so? That's uh, possible. Pull up in the drive-through. It's I'm happened, not doing that. It's happened to me at Jack in the Box. I, don't, I'm, I know we're not supposed to, you know, but I'm just naming because there's a Jack in the Box close to my house and there's one right across the street here. And yep. I did the one close to my house, and they're Wait, like, hey, sorry. You know, did you, you order? They charge you down? No, hold on. More importantly, you ordered delivery from the, the place no, that's in like the 100 app. yards from here? In the app. Okay, you went to pick it up yourself. Yeah. Okay, I thought you meant you like got a delivery, and I was like, dude, you could. No. It's it's across the parking lot. No, I just wanted to run over okay. there real quick. I'm just know? making sure. By the time I pull up, it's already ready. Uh, while we're talking about making people feel old, I got, there was one yesterday. All right. Uh, well, you know what? Hold on to okay. it. Okay. Because we'll, uh, we'll come back. We're going to talk to an old friend who's getting older, but he's getting better, unlike me. Uh, John Anik, UFC is back with a pay-per-view. Not in town, but just north. Always interesting to drop an event in Salt Lake, but it's going to be uh, UFC 291, right? UFC 291 and the great voice yep, yep. of the UFC and longtime friend of Adam Hill. Uh, John Anik will help us preview the event. Now. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, rolling on. Busy week. We got UFC coming up in Salt Lake. Adam Hill is here. It's Cofield. Damon steering the ship. Let's go up to Salt Lake. And uh, John Anik, the voice of the UFC, is up with us. John, how are you? Oh, it's great to be with you, boys. Sometimes I wonder when I... Get that text from Steve Cofield. What fight has piqued his interest to such an extent that he's having me back on? It's been a long time, boys. Okay. So we have we have a weird effect going on right now. I don't know if you can hear it or it's just us. It sounds like there's a crowd behind you. 
I was here in that crowd as well. I am on my UFC headset. We have another feed, Damon. Is that it? I, I you got rid of it? Where, what, what was that? I just like to assume that John has a cheering section. Yeah, I was like, goes. where is John? <laughs> I thought it was John the entire time. Oh my my bad. You know what? I'm blaming Greg Salerno. That was uh, from his earlier show. <laughs> Are you playing Immaculate Grid again instead of paying attention? I'm kidding. Uh, uh-huh. He's he's very much into it, John. Are you into Immaculate Grid? Does it kill time for you on the road? You know, I have a lot of means by which to kill time on the road. I haven't gotten into the Ultimate Grid yet, but Ooh, okay. maybe this trip. Okay. All right. Well, while we mention that, you sound. Uh, are you talking about work kills time, or are you saying uh, going out and about in every city you go to? Well, you know, I'm in a back-to-back right now, which doesn't afford me any. Uh-oh time at all when i get off the phone with you guys i'm actually going to voice the nashville show for next saturday august 5th so when i'm going to back to back there's next to no recreational time uh but yeah i mean i'll go out to dinner maybe one night in salt lake city but these are business trips and as you guys know i'm a father of three so oftentimes when i'm home i'm really trying to lean into that look at john my life so when i do get on the road i have a lot to do super busy super busy uh John, I, I would call you all the time. I feel like uh, we're a nuisance if we bother you. It's not just it's not just a fight we're that piques my interest. No, I, I know. You know what? When we have people on, and especially like John, who's risen to this monstrous level of fame, we try to reach out maybe a couple times a year. I try to be respectful of people's time. Seriously. Well, Steve Cofield and I go way back. Adam Hill, obviously, you and I have been deeply connected for years as well. But Cofield and I were on Radio Row doing boxing shows like almost 20 years ago at this yeah. point in time. So yeah. I'm not trying to you know, kiss your rear end, but it warms my heart when I see your name pop up in my phone during a big UFC pay-per-view week because it does You're one of the few. Yeah, we, uh, I would always have time for you. I forget what fight it was. We were, I think we were in Tampa at a kind of a random fight. I, I don't remember which one it was, but uh, yeah, your guy Rosillo was there as well. How, how's Rosillo doing? He's doing great. You know, he just bought another house in Manhattan Beach. Okay. And, uh, All right. All I think right. he's yeah. enjoying, right. yeah, I think he's enjoying. You know, not being under the uh, watchful eye of a bunch of bosses all the time, and uh, he's a screenwriter as well. So I think he's got some things moving in that direction. So he is—he's uh, a happy man. No procreation, no children either. So he's oh, doing really. Fine. Look at that! Oh, See? Wow! All right. See? All right. All right. I John. mean, he could retire probably in a year or two if he really well, that, wanted to. You know, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. All right. On the top yeah, of this yeah. UFC card, this is a fight fans fight because it should be a stand-up battle unless there's going to be some change of strategy on one side. 100% Steve. I expect both fighters to be fully engaged in the kickboxing realm for the bulk of this fight. Yeah, I mean, I think when you talk to certain fighters, Kenny Floyd and their prevailing wisdom as well, if Dustin Poirier wants to utilize his grappling and his wrestling, that is the path of least resistance. But anybody who has ingested anything that Dustin has had to say either today, immediate day, or leading up to this fight, uh, he wants to show the quote-unquote king of violence, Justin Gaethje, that he, Dustin Poirier, is actually that guy. So, yeah, I mean, it's a bulletproof matchmake as far as, you know, this being a main event. They're running it back five years later. I think both guys have been elevated mentally and physically to some extent, and uh, yeah, it sounds trite, but fans win Saturday night on pay-per-view. I'll be Mr. Negative as always. Do you see any way that it can't be awesome? I mean, I was trying to think of the ways, like, what could happen? Could Poirier <laughs> just kind of go down, try to take him to the mat right away? I, I don't think he'll do that. There's no way it could fail, right? We had this exact conversation at UFC 286 in March going into the fight between Rafael Fazeev and Justin Gaethje. And we said sometimes when a fight looks this good on paper, maybe it doesn't deliver. And that fight over-delivered was another fight of the night. Yeah, Adam, I just don't see any scenario whereby these guys don't entertain the masses to such an extent. And uh, I just think both men were sort of reluctant 
not reluctant to take the fight, but because of the violent nature of the matchup and the opponent, they were kind of hoping maybe this matchup wouldn't come around again. I can't wait, you know, and I had sort of softly suggested, not that I want any credit, but, you know, this fight can survive as a five-round pay-per-view main event. I didn't think they'd put the BMF title on it, but these guys don't need a second act, and even though we have a good one, these guys don't need a belt to headline, and obviously... Uh, that's why they're getting the uh, the opportunity Saturday night. It's the voice I'm sure you all recognize him as the voice of John Anik, of course, calls all the batches on uh, UFC cards. It is tremendous, tremendous stuff that uh, they always provide. Uh, big fight, of course, between these guys. But I was wondering what you think the legacy is for both fighters. I mean, they obviously have been fan favorites. They deliver great fights, exciting all the time. But I guess how will these guys be remembered when it's all over for them? It's a good question. You know, our Hall of Fame is a little bit funky. As you guys know, we have four different wings, so there are different conduits through which you can get into the Hall of Fame, right? Like Justin Gaethje, you guys may not see him as a modern-era first-ballot Hall of Famer the way I do, but you could take any number of his fights and use that is the way to get him into the Hall of Fame. These are two of the best lightweights of their generation. I know neither man has realized the undisputed championship, but I think in the case of Dustin Poirier, when you look at the longevity, you look at the body of work, the wins list, if he wins this weekend, moves into a tie for fourth all-time on the UFC wins list and hasn't needed nearly as many appearances as some of those other to get there. So to me, I mean, Dustin Poirier is a first ballot Hall of Famer whether he wins the undisputed UFC lightweight championship or not. My broadcast partner, Daniel Cormier, Feels like, for the most part, these guys got to break through and win that undisputed goal. But I feel like with these two fighters, uh, their legacies are pretty entrenched, regardless of what happens, you know, Saturday night and beyond. Is Cormier getting any better at golf? I feel like he's out there all the time. So I've taken most of this year off. I actually have a torn labrum in my right shoulder. But he does cheat on the track every now and again. I actually saw him throw a golf ball from... <laughs> the rough onto the green because he thought nobody was looking so you know if you're still pulling down on towels and throwing golf balls on the green i don't know that we can assess your game in totality but i think he's getting longer when i started playing with him adam he was like 150 150 yards off the tee he's getting longer now okay wait a second you slipped in an injury there a torn labrum were you practicing slap fighting Oh, God, I wish. No, I mean, I I injured it, I think, throwing a football probably five or six Did you really? years ago. And then I the partial tear happened during a strength and conditioning workout. I can work through it, but, I mean, this is going to sound like really baby stuff, but I handwrite all of my fighter cards for every show, and it's a pretty exhaustive process, right. and that's what, what causes me the most pain. So Dominic Cruz is trying to get me to go to Tijuana to do stem cells later this year. <laughs> uh, I've been able to manage it. But, you know, I talked to our UFC doctor, and he's like, dude, the way you throw your body around, like, that surgery is not the best option for you. So I'm trying to avoid surgery at all costs. Wait, what? what? Throw your body around? What, during a broadcast? So what are you calling about? fights, right? Like, yeah, I don't want to have to be calling fights in a sling for eight weeks. <laughs> oh. And he essentially intimated that I'd be feeling something in that shoulder for 12 to 16 weeks. So, yeah, I mean, I could work around it and call fights in a sling but i do use my body it's like a radio job right nobody's looking at me so oftentimes i'm flailing limbs and uh can't do that with a with a sling john anik is with us uh <laughs> ufc 291 is coming up um looking ahead to heavyweight fights i cannot remember um did you call the uh how many times have been in msg now ufc just once oh it's been annual a bunch of times i mean okay. I, i've done yeah i've done a few okay so you know the experience. So for you, yeah. Stipe and Jones, from a venue standpoint, isn't going to be something special. But this is a fight we've been waiting for. Are you surprised that Jones is such a big favorite? Yes, 100%. I don't feel like that betting line at all reflects 
the preparation that Stipe Miocic has already done for this fight. And I think sometimes when odds makers and handicappers are approaching this, right? Yeah, they're trying to draw two-way action. But there are certain things that they look at. Age, undefeated records, inactivity. Sipe's layoffs, layoffs, even during the Daniel Cormier series, I think affected the betting price. He fought DC three times over three years. DC fought other guys in the middle of that trilogy, and Stipe did not. So I don't worry about the layoff on the Stipe side. I actually think there are more variables with John Jones because he was the first to admit that he could have been in better shape for the Cito Gon fight and all but guaranteed he'd be in better shape for the Stipe fight. Doesn't necessarily look to be in that fight shape right now, and I'm not asking him to be, but, you know, second weekend of November is not all that far away, so I don't see him as 3-1 to one over Stipe Miocic. I do think he deserves the distinction as the favorite, but I agree with you, way wider than I thought that would be. John, where can people find most of your gambling content when you do uh, a little long-form gambling? So the Anakin Florian podcast, we have a handicapper as well as Kenny Florian, and they do seven or eight picks on every show on the Anakin Florian podcast on our DraftKings YouTube channel. I am no longer allowed to pick Oh, really? Fights, but uh, the day I retire, the day I retire, I'll be picking fights. Like, I didn't even give a, a Crawford Spence Jr. pick because I'm, I'm just trying to lay low. Wait a second. When did this happen? Why can't you uh, make picks? Well, so... Well, the last pick I made was that Wayward 209 tattoo bet in 2016, if you really <laughs> which want is, to know. Which is, which is but, fun. Are you saying, wait, is this, is this an edict from home? Or, or some no, bosses so, actually good? Oh, na- yeah, no. My, my, and candidly, when I was making picks on fights, I was working the smaller shows. I was making picks on pay-per-view fights. But it stood to reason that I could still call the next fight involving that athlete. So for my first four or five years as a UFC commentator, I shouldn't have been picking fights anyway but we actually had our gambling document amended that we signed when i started with ufc in 2011 i couldn't bet on the ufc now i'm contractually prevented from betting on all boxing and all mixed martial oh, arts wow. yeah adam shaking his uh, his head was an, a nod of approval well, no, no no i'm saying there was i mean that is it is that is commonplace had to be reassessed no but that is commonplace that is commonplace with media you know a lot of uh, announcers don't give picks on games, but I just figured, hey, UFC is kind of like the, not the anti-media, but the anti-rules organization, so I figured it would be right. a free-for-all. Sometimes we'll do these DraftKings betting previews, and I'll say, you know, over 75 significant strikes landed for Alexander Volkanovsky to help them put together some sort of parlay, but right. yeah, generally speaking, I try to uh, stay out of that space. You know, I oftentimes, guys, I walk right up to the line and won't cross <laughs> it. I try to still be informational and I'll speculate, I'll editorialize, but I'll try to uh, keep it a little, little bit closer to the vest than I used to. I think, I mean, that all makes sense. I do think you guys, as a whole, as a broadcast, uh, were pretty early in, ad- in adopting, you know, I- you know, uh, integrating a lot of the betting information, right? I mean, when you show uh, the fighters walk out and it has the kind of the, the, uh, the line there, um, there's a lot of things that you guys incorporated that other organizations have done now. Uh, you know, even college, college football, we see it sometimes, like, um, other people are doing the things you guys kind of brought in. So that was, I think, a big step for the UFC to get involved in that. Yeah, no, and I appreciate you acknowledging as much, and certainly Dana White is all about it. And a lot of us, in terms of the live production infrastructure of the UFC, are gamblers, right? Yeah. I mean, I placed my first three-leg Major League Baseball parlay in 1995 when I was 17 <laughs> years old, and I've essentially been going strong every day ever since. Well, I shouldn't say going strong, but going hard in the paint ever since. So we leaned into it. But I honestly believe if you're not aware of what a betting line is and you're watching a high-level mixed martial arts contest, it's a very important lens to be looking at to give you some intel as to what 
might happen. The people who come up with these odds put in a lot of time trying to tell you that Jan Bohovic should be a slight favorite against Alex Pereira this weekend in Pereira's UFC light heavyweight debut. Why, right? That's fascinating to me, not just because I can go place a bet on it, but somebody's telling me that one guy is three times better than another. So I feel like it's ignorant for people to not look at it. You don't have to lean into it necessarily the way we have, but uh, to not use it uh, for broadcast or otherwise, I think is leaving something on the table. That's John Anik, of course. And John, I love you. I might record that and play it for other people. Um, it's baffling to me. Even covering the NFL, when people are like, oh, "I don't know anything about point spreads," what? Yeah. How are you? How do you not at least understand right. enough to contextualize what you're watching and what other people are watching? It's crazy. And to go one step further beyond what you said of just, "Hey, this guy's supposed to beat this guy," uh, and contextualize that. But you can look at the props and say, "Well, this guy obviously is much better at submissions, and this guy's much better at knockouts because of how the props are shaping up." Like, how do you not at least have a general understanding of that and cover and watch a sport? I don't get that. I never will. So I guess. Just thank you for saying that. <laughs> well, you're welcome. And you're right. Like, you when go. you look at Alex Pereira this weekend, most people who are going to bet him are going to bet him to win by knockout, right? But we don't know how he's going to look at 205 pounds. And right now, Pereira by decision is plus 650. Now, I'm not necessarily telling your audience there's value there, but would I be surprised to see him win over 15 minutes and not necessarily knock Jan Bohovic out? Absolutely could happen, you know? So the a lot of different ways to attack the board a lot of different things that i think are of use before you actually watch a fight or a sporting event john who do you want to see more at ufc 300 uh mcgregor finally coming back or ronda rousey i thought you were going to say me or adam hill so <laughs> and i just hope i see both of you guys yeah, more sure. than i have over sure. the last couple of years but the ronda rousey thing's interesting because it really came out of left field for me and i've always talked about this meritocracy when it comes to the belt so there's so many like worthy bantamweights right now. So it seems weird uh, that she would just cut the line, but a lot of people would be like, hey, Henry Cejudo just did it. So I, I know Connor's coming back. I don't know if Ronda's coming back. And I think the sport's better with both of them in there. So I'd love to see Ronda Rousey at UFC 300. I think you're probably going to see Conor McGregor in December or first quarter of next year. So um, let's hope they're both back by summer 2024. Mr. Adam Hill is very, very leery about a McGregor return. <laughs> tattoo bet that Ronda fights before Conor. <laughs> Here we go. Another one. We could do a tattoo bet. We'll figure uh, out a tattoo bet. I, uh, yeah, you might have more intel than me on Conor McGregor, but I just really believe that uh, his retirement is not going to be nearly as enjoyable as he thinks if he doesn't get a, a few more MMA scalps. And uh, only place to get those is the octagon. So um, I'm cautiously optimistic that we're going to see him more than you think. Last one. Do you think that Nganu will be any bit competitive with Fury? Gosh, I mean, I know I'm contractually prevented from betting on it, but I see Nate Diaz as being a more live underdog against yep. Jake Paul than yep. I do Francis Ngannou yep. against Tyson Fury. I just don't see it, Steve. I know. Um, and I don't know how much more thoughtful I can be with my answer. Certainly, my rooting interest, right, is with Francis and with Nate and with all these guys who go challenge Jake Paul and... Tyson and anybody else in the boxing space, but uh, I just think I think I, I don't know. I think the betting line is proper on that one. Uh, in closing, you have anything dramatic to get to, Adam? No, I do. I do want to mention this. Um, you do have full approval on my side, even though you've said a bunch of nice things about us, and we love John Anik. Um, if you get an opportunity on a broadcast to mother blank Adam Hill over his power slap <laughs> take, please do it. <laughs> We're so split on this. I love the sport. Adam and others don't. I don't get it. I don't get the dislike of the sport. If people want to do it, 
especially we're ba- you know we're all based here in Vegas. Do what you want. If people want to get slapped silly and make money over it, as long as it's somewhat safe, go ahead and do it. Yeah, I mean, I guess at first I was kind of wondering why they didn't call my number for an audition, and then when I saw some of the negativity, I maybe was thankful that I had some separation from it. I'll just tell you this, Adam, right? I got to, on like three minutes' notice, host a Power Slap press conference during International Fight Week. I was there. And that allowed me to, like, engage with the athletes and get to know them a little bit, and now I'm in. So call me a simpleton, right? But for me, when I have the human interest, when... I have the human connection. Uh, that's what draws me in. I don't love the undefended strikes. I don't love the traumatic brain injuries that seemingly I'm seeing. But uh, I feel like Marcin Tabora suffered a traumatic brain injury against Tom Aspinall last Saturday night too. You know, so sometimes I feel like I'm hypocritical. Well, he had the chance to defend himself and cover your ears real quick. But you know what? Let him. Slide. He did. He just, did. Just pay them. Just. It'll come eventually. Okay. It'll come eventually. Okay. It's going to be a big sport, my friend. It's going to be a big sport. <laughs> John, you're the best. We know you got to work. We appreciate you carving out a couple minutes for us. And, yes, uh, if, you, if we have your approval, we uh, certainly will reach out on a uh, – we'll reach slightly, out more often in the future. I, I won't overdo it, though. I respect, you know, I respect your time. Well, I'm going to try to come in studio with you guys. I'm actually in Vegas yeah. for a full week in late August wow. for a non-UFC live event. So uh, hopefully we can connect nice. later next month. Thank you, John. Don't, that, Thanks, uh, don't get too crazy yes, in Salt Lake. We'll see you. <laughs> You can get crazy there. It's, they have well, a good bar district. It's more possible now than before the Olympics. Right. They have a good bar district, though. They've they have a, they had a bunch of good restaurants. Sure. I mean, as I as I mentioned, uh, you can tell that people are fired up to drink. I've never seen people so aggressive in trying to power drink as much as people in Salt Lake. Well, it's half like half BAC, so you gotta. Yeah, I think they I think they eradicated a lot of that. It's whatever. It's. Half alcohol. But, you know, they changed it for a- the Olympics. A- but ABC. It's ABC. Yeah, whatever it is. ABC, ABC. ABC would be your own personal level. Yes, that's, that's fair. Did he mention one, by the way? I just, I, you know, I pay attention now from the outside on UFC. And when I was, like, thinking, you know, Madison Square Garden is, like, a really special place. Like, they like never do it there. Seven times. It's there. They've been there seven times. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I've been on all the cards, moron. Um, so I wanted to correct that real quick. On Rousey, and I was, I'm, now I'm getting confused on weight classes. He mentioned... She's 35. No, she's not. Well, now she'd be 55. Probably. Right. <laughs> That's fair. She so I don't even... What, is, there, is, there, is there real title There's talk? No Ronda Rousey. She's she, her own weight class. She, yes, and why not? Yeah. She absolutely cannot come back at 135, nor should they ask her to, and she should not be fighting for a title. Do a BMF for the women's and set something up. Believe me, my dream fight would be Cyborg, but I don't think she could compete with Cyborg. But set her up with another grappler at 155 or 145 and give her a going away. It'll be slightly competitive. Let the lady go out sort of on top and make a ton of money off it. Sure. and I, I, I saw so many people on social and they're like, oh, you know, new era, she'll get wiped. Like, why are you thinking like that? It's a big show and a celebration of the sport. She helped build the women's block. Let her go out and freaking have a retirement fight. So I know she hasn't done it for a while, but she also is an Olympic athlete. Like she's an elite exactly. Olympic athlete. Like she can, she can actually can fight. Right. I know she can't act, so people think oh. she was a terrible wrestler, she's, but she can fight. She's she's not at an elite level no. for this era no. with head movement and her hands. Sure. So don't put her in there against she a freaking the ground, killer. She'll, she's she'll gonna she'll twist them apart. Also, I, I want to see her. I will correct my. You're, you know, you said I don't think Connor's gonna fight. He eventually will. I don't think he's going to fight under the rules. 
Like he needs to come back and enter the drug program for six months. That's the rule. Right. He will not do that. They're going to waive it, but the UFC is going to waive it. So he will fight. Like that's my issue is that they're not going to fight under the actual rules. He's not going to fight. Right, but he'll fight. BMF is baddest mother blanker. Yeah. So can we come up with? I guess. I guess you don't want to actually say Reuter because <laughs> then you're kind of admitting that he's doing it. It's the. Non-USADA division? Something like that. That Brock Lesnar fight with Mark Hunt was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. But he two, ain't. UFC 200, I believe. I, you know what's funny? I actually back him in his decision to not drug test. He can't mentally, he can't fight now without something. Okay. Do you see him on the show? <laughs> yes. Dewan's not comfortable. Why are we bre- why are we breaking? I th- no, I, we I re- just need to. No, I really I really believe that fighters get to a certain point yeah. and a certain age and their their body is broken up that they actually I mean come on, come on, this is not this is not a taboo topic. I mean, we're talking about a sport for years and years and years that, you know, whoever you want to talk about, Vitor Belfort, we you know, we're all going to turn a blind eye to it and then they make him go clean and he's a deflated like 182 pounds. Like some guys at a certain age, you know. I mean, rest in peace, right? I I don't know what the hell happened down the stretch, but uh, Stefan Bonner could have, and he got killed in the fight anyway. But against Silva, like you, you just get to a certain point, you can't. I mean, do you see him now? I mean, his his suit is bursting there's, at the seams. There's a reason he won't. Enter his the nose is exploding. <laughs> yes. His back is just full of zits. I mean, if you want to make money off him, you are you are going to have to. Break some rules or not apply some rules. And guess what? Every other fighter on the card, I'd be like, let him do whatever he wants. Do I get paid off the, the pay-per-view points? Yeah. Let him do what he wants. I mean, you mean you can't admit it. Everyone else on the card, not the guy he's fighting, I would say. What, the guy he's fighting is going to get tested and he's not? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. That, that's what I'm saying. That's oh, a test-free fight. No. no. Michael Chandler's got too much honor for that. Yeah. Well, he's not going to fight. He's not going to get to fight. He's not fighting Chandler. Uh, they'll, fight, they'll find somebody that can, he can actually beat. Uh, but no, there'll be the whole thing is that you have to be in the testing program, and he's not going to enter it. Yeah, you don't until like the day before. Yeah, go ahead and test me today. I guess is what they're gonna, like. That's how they're going to do it. That's not fair to the other guy. You're saying get him out of the program too. Nah, I mean, the, the problem now we the, just advertise we're having a steroid nah, the, fight. The problem is the, then then the other guy's almost forced to get on some special sauce, thinking that he needs to keep up. And need, you know that was baseball. Yeah. You know that was baseball for 30 years where. Everyone's like, I guess I got to get on this because, I mean, look at these freaking monsters and Sosa and McGuire. I, to keep up, I got to do it. <laughs> so there's going to be a new weight class, a new title. <laughs> the test-free zone. Yeah, the test-free title. The test-free belt. Yeah. But I want to I see him fight again, and I want to see Ronda fight again. I do want to see Ronda fight. And by I, the I way, I know fight too, we're going long here. This Aspinall guy, who the hell is he? Uh, a British heavyweight. Because he his odds are smaller than uh, Miocich. Miocic is like plus 300. This guy's well, plus as, 170, I think. So if you look at the advanced metrics, which I know a lot of people don't like, but they do exist in MMA too, yeah. he is off the charts. Now, he's destroyed everyone, and that's part of why, but like every category that you can examine of how a fighter matches up, he is insanely off the charts. The guy's numbers are crazy. Well, to my point about when Connor wants to come back, everyone else on the card is going to have to be cool with him having special rules, right? Because in the end, you stick together. What I saw the last couple of days with Saquon Barkley, what a freaking royal screw job for Josh Jacobs. Saquon, what are you doing? 
Jimmy G, in front of the media today. We'll get to what uh, James Garoppolo was talking about. I had to look at Demon. I was like, wait, who is that? I don't think I know uh, Garoppolo's voice yet. I just know his looks. You just get caught up in a smile? I was out with a bunch of females. Not like that, but just hanging out with some couples, and uh, the Garoppolo conversation came up again. They're like, he's very handsome. I'm like, all right. The smile or the eyes? What's What was the... All of it. Okay. I mean, his hair's kind of nice, too. Well, he was rocking the hat today. Oh, he was? Yeah. Raiders hat? Yeah. First time he put on the helmet? Big moment. Okay. All right, we're going to break that down in the 4 o'clock hour. <laughs> Okay. What? No, I'm, I'm into it. I'm into it. Uh, Miles Simmons is coming up after five. And then uh, King of Vegas has sandwiches all over town. Arash, Sporting Tribune, made a big announcement yesterday that he's got a regular spot now on the show. So Wait, can, we all, can we all retweet that? On this show? The sport. You didn't know this? Well, you know, you're, you're only here every once in a while. I don't, I don't, use, I don't use Z I, anymore. I agree. I have no idea what's happening anywhere in the world because of Musk. Yeah. He has jacked this whole thing up. Um, I guess, you know, lesson learned. I shouldn't have got so vested in one of the ways to get information because I I have nothing. I don't know. Tricks. Apparently, there was a big argument last week on Twitter between two Lotus Broadcasting personalities, and I, I, like, I, I was finding out about it. I missed, like, days of it. So, all right, good I stuff. Got, I got alerted to it, so I won. <laughs> good stuff. I was hoping they would move that over to Thread so I could follow it. Um, I don't know. The bosses are making a decision now. If, if there's going to be gas thrown on the fire to okay. really flame it up. But it's TBD. Okay. It's TBD. I don't like what Saquon Barkley did. Yeah. <laughs> and listen, it's not my place to say, hey, dude, sit out, you know, risk $10.9 million. I don't understand the purpose of any of this and all the talk to just get some incentives. And again, it, you know, millions of dollars is nothing to sneeze at. But I thought he was taking a stand. I thought this was like a big deal for the running backs. Then you got to stick together. What That's, are you doing? It was almost immediately after the, after the call. Look at the Teamsters. <laughs> you stick together. UPS ran and hid. I'll tell you what. I'm now I'm blanking on the guy's name. The freaking bald guy was the leader of the Teamsters. They need him. The running backs need him. Yeah. But But – now it's not even the running backs. It's just Josh Jacobs on his own. Hey, it's just Josh uh, Jacobs. Now, so now he's just, right? Hold, exactly. I would. Say I mean, am I going to go as far as calling Saquon a scab? No. But your activity, you're like, what, what are you doing? And believe me, I will get to the one that's even worse next hour. Herbert? Bro, you have all the power. Barkley has no power. Why did he do this? Did you see an explanation? Uh, no, I think some it's just, added incentives, and now now yeah. this big stand and all these threats. Hey, here's a you know, do your job, and we'll throw you a little more money. Yep. And then I'm sure they didn't verbalize this one. And then guess what? We're gonna make it good next year with another tag. Well, they they also threw the poison pill in and made it so because I think a lot of people just said, hey, they're just gonna match. You know, the Raiders will just match whatever the Giants did, and that'll be fine. Well, the problem is a lot of Saquon Barkley's money is tied to making the playoffs. So Josh Jacobs really can't sign that. Mm-hmm. And if I were Jacobs, I'd, I'd be like, no, I'm not. Yeah, I well, for, I did all that stuff last year, yeah. and you're not paying me now. I got to do it again. It's always just prove and yourself, again. prove yourself, prove yourself, and prove again, yourself, and again next year. Yeah, <laughs> attack him again. It's absurd. Uh, but in terms of in Barkley, look, if he's going to sign, he wasn't going to get more. They had the they had the power. Luke 
you do it or you don't. That's, yep. that's where you are. This and, is I, Jacobs. And, and I had to remind myself last week because I, ca- I was in the mode of wanting to say, hey, the long-term contract is coming. You know, hold out. It's coming. Like, there's, you can't do it no, now. You can't. You can't not until it. after the season. So, so there was nothing else to be accomplished. The only thing I would say for Barkley is I, I'm not surprised he took what he took, but why do it now? Like, do it after the last preseason game. What are you doing wearing your body down even more yep. during a training camp when you know they're going to hold that against you after the year? The worst part for him is he's been injured often, uh-huh. and one of it was a devastating injury. Like I actually think if Jacobs plays and plays hard, he'll get dinged up, but he's less at risk coming out of this deal in terms of his image. I think Barkley will get broken up this year. Yeah. Yeah. And then this was all for nothing. That's usually how it works for running backs, unfortunately. It's it's completely ridiculous. It's something like, you know, I was talking about this all off season and now, you know, the last couple of weeks it's been a, a topic all around the league. I I hope that running backs are able to do something. I just don't know what they can. Like breaking off the union, I guess. Try it. Doesn't seem like it's going to work. It's wild. We have a great trip we're qualifying people for in our Lotus Summer of Fun. Three six four eleven hundred. Caller seven. You're qualifying to win four tickets to an Aviators game, and then the big boy prize you qualify for is a weekly grand trip. Eight trips in eight weeks. This week it's a four day trip to Orlando's Disney World. It's the only Disney World. Uh, Disneyland in Southern California. Orlando's Disney World. What? Universal Studios, too? Plus a tour of the Kennedy Space Center. Or you can take the $3,000 cash. You qualify for this right now with them on. Caller 7, take the trip, take the cash. It's an or situation. You don't get both. Take the trip or take the cash. 364-1100. It's the Lotus Summer of Fun. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 Rolling towards the 4 o'clock hour, we'll get into the introduction of Jimmy G, a lot more on Josh Jacobs and how Saquon Barkley affects him. Adam was out there, so we want to find out the the vibe, the mood around the Raiders. But a little baseball to get you updated on. We definitely got to hit the A's in a little bit about um, – Sell the team. Yeah, the sell the team stuff. Did you see – and this is a softball play, and that's, I guess, why it hasn't happened since what? 1884. Yeah. A 8-3-5 triple play. Braves on Braves on the Red Sox. Because Adam Duvall was not paying attention and jogged to first. He got gunned out from center and then bad base running. Yeah, I thought, I mean, first I obviously. First third out. Well, obviously the, the runner at second was the bad base. I mean, that was horrific. Yeah. Um, I thought I, I didn't think the runner from first. I mean, I, I think he just thought it was, you know it might have been hit and run. I'm not sure exactly what it was. Um, thought it was going to drop. He just didn't get back. He was hustling. But they got the out at first, and then for some reason, as they throw to first, the runner on second tries to tack up and go to third way late, and uh, is gunned down. I mean, you're a lot of people look at triple plays as wow, what a great play. Like it's usually because somebody messed up. I mean, the rare case of. Right grounder right at third base first and second like that can happen but it usually in a base running situation it's somebody messed up more than a team makes a great play but to their credit they also had to make every throw perfect both throws and they did man i love outfield throws to first base but also they so much fun turn a triple play and still get crushed yeah uh did you see the other record breaker which i think is more impressive and more up our alley what's that pete alonzo and dan vogelback okay your guy. Both are my guy. Vogelback more so. Yeah. 
No doubt. Uh, fattest back-to-back home run duo in MLB history. What was it? Well, heaviest? since 2001. Heaviest? Yeah, fattest. Well, it's not, I mean, I don't think Alonzo's fat. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen him with a shirt off. Since, Five. since 2001, I was going to say there had to be some of those Tigers teams from the late 90s had to have destroyed that record. You would think. Yeah, We're going to look back in history. The duo weighed in at 575 pounds. All right, 4 o'clock hours on the way. It's brought to you by our friends at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. We'll be on in Reno. Remember, they have offices in Reno and Henderson and Las Vegas.